This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 27th of July 2022 at home in Wicklow. And it is largely a discussion about the idea of imprints and how we are all entities that have been imprinted by our experiences of particular and particularly of childhood of childhood experiences so it's a little bit related to some of the ideas i talked about on last week's episode about what can impact us or affect us but this week i'm thinking about what started us off what shaped and molded us right from the beginning and for better or worse how that is the defining uh, the defining sort of molding ingredient in our makeup and it's because of that that these other things can impact our if affect us or derail us uh, so that's really where I stay for most of this episode looking at that makeup and looking at how that can how that can dictate uh, what we respond to, how we behave, how we perceive ourselves, uh, and then look at maybe how we can adapt to that or become more comfortable with that. I also look at the place of rituals. I look at the, briefly, I look at how modernity can or has erased our respect for rituals particularly relating to rites of passage that idea came out of watching the pixar movie turning red which related back to the idea of imprint and what's been imprinted on one generation and how that can be passed on to the next generation um yeah so wally another pixar movie also features towards the end Again, in the area of imprint, but more in a positive way. Um, yeah, so that's it, really. It's, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's imprint. It's the, it's talking about the clay from which we came, the clay that we are and how we're molded and how I believe our sense of well-being, our sense of comfort with ourselves depends on how successfully we negotiate that imprint whether it's something that needs to be overcome or accommodated it's um it's in there it's in the mix and i don't think it ever i don't think it ever goes away and that's why sometimes we can wake up after a very long time in life and think Am I still exactly who I was 35, 40 years ago? <laughs> There's a good chance you are. So you better get comfortable with it. Okay, and I hope you get comfortable with this episode. I'll see you around the corner real soon. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. 
Welcome. How are you today? How's it going? If you're like me, your brain is like a mouldy tomato. Squashy, not particularly resistant, and just not fit for purpose. <laughs> uh, it's been busy. It's been a busy, it's been a busy month. It's been a busy month. There's been lots and lots of activity, lots of lots of lovely visitors to hashtag blessed. And in fact, I'm probably going to uh, I'm probably going to interview one of my one of our visitors, and that might be a a, a little segment I may feature on a, a future episode. Um, I have my good friend Sean Whitehill visiting Sean Whitehill of travelmandalas.com do check those out if you have any interest in lovely lovely art and travel and exotic locations Sean channels his experiences and what strikes him visually uh, and he puts all of that into these beautiful hand-drawn mandalas which are very unique, very special, and really, yeah, singular in um, in what he's doing with them. And you can purchase them. You can have one all for yourself. You might even be able to commission one uh, through his through his website, travelmandalas.com. I've spoken about that before. Anyway, Sean is on his travels again, and his first stop on this particular voyage of discovery. His first stop was hashtag blessed, so he's here with us for a while, um, and yeah, I might take an opportunity to just have a bit of a chat with him about his his uh, his love of travel, his passion for traveling and getting abroad and seeing other places, and walking and and uh, allying that with art. So um, watch this space. And speaking of guests, uh, I've had some lovely. Lovely feedback from quite a few of you for the Ashleen Cregan episodes, um, the Pebble Girl part one and two uh, that were out a couple of weeks ago. Um, so thank you. Thank you for taking the time to reach out and share your responses. They have been, yeah, really, really strong, positive responses to that interview, to Ashleen's story, to getting a sense of Ashling and just the the really positive place she's reached in her life and what she's achieved and what she's managed to overcome um, and hopefully it may have even motivated some of you to try and get your hands on her fantastic book her memoir which is called I am someone by Ashleen Cregan that's published by Gill Books and you can get that in all good bookshops, in all good libraries, and online, of course. So, there you go. So, thanks for that. Um, yes. Now, where are we at today? Um, yeah, if you're, a, if you're a first-time listener, if you're a first-time listener, the Clear Out podcast is dedicated to explorations of wellness, explorations of staying on top of things, explorations of staying engaged with pathways to 
wellness, pathways to being well, pathways to managing oneself. Because when I talk about wellness, I'm not necessarily talking about happiness uh, or being in a, a blissed out, serene state all of the time. I'm more talking about being engaged with oneself, being aware, being in conversation with oneself and then using using that information, using those findings to negotiate whatever the hell is going on for you at that particular moment. Because that particular moment is your life. And that particular moment is all of your life. (laughs) It never goes away. That moment of being there with yourself, it's, um, it's always there and it always will be. And there it is again. So the, the challenge is to, to try and find a way to, to live, to live with yourself and to live well and to permit yourself to thrive if that is available at that given time. That's pretty much it. And the clear out, of course, is dedicated to the idea of not being too po-faced not being too precious, not being too sanctimonious, but maybe a little bit of those things or, you know, end up in the mix. That's why it's wellness with attitude. It's wellness, but it's keeping it real. It's trying to, it's just trying to be in, in a real place. It's not performed wellness. It's not curated wellness, because I think that is a disease, a sickness, an addiction of the digital age, the, 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 the desire, the compulsion to curate and present this distillation of one's life. And it's, it's all sunsets and roses. It's all beautiful light and beaming faces. Because I suppose, why would you? <laughs> why would you put up anything else? What, you're going to put up a picture of yourself, of yourself crying, looking miserable. People do that as well. And it makes everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> so yet again, we have a conspiracy. Let's all do the same thing. Let's all just show nice things. Let's show this lovely meal. Let's show this lovely pint. Let's show this lovely person. Let's show this lovely place. But that can get a bit... I get that can get a bit one note, a little bit one dimensional, a little bit superficial. It's just the surface and it's I don't know. It's um it's a false read. So what do you do? I mean what do you do if that's where you consume life? If that's what you understand of somebody else, what they present in high definition on Facebook or Instagram, or any other of these chosen platforms. What do you do if that's, if that's all you've got? How do you adapt? How do you, how do you learn how to engage in the flesh? How do you engage in reality? Because surely that's where real life is lived. Do you agree? Uh, I'm not... You know, I'm not laying it down as dogma. (laughs) 
but I believe that's that's where the rewards are. That's where the uh, that's where the memories are. That's where the experiences are, and that's where the real the 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 the, the barometer of reality gets truly tuned in an authentic way. Um, you get a sense of okay, this is good. This is not so good. I'm good. I'm not so good. And then you have choices. Why am I not so good? What's going on? Why? Oh, I've got a visitor. Could you hear that? Could you hear that little insect buzzing across the mic? Hmm. Anyway, there you go. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what, again, if you're, if this is a new listen for you, that's kind of what goes on on the, on the clear out. And it's mostly most episodes so far. It's just me. It's just me. One man on his mic holding forth on whatever is of interest to me in any given week and otherwise there are a couple of interviews and as I said last in last week's episode there will be more interviews coming that um, you'll see them as they arise now this week what's going on moldy tomato head is what I've got moldy tomato brain bit mushy struggling to keep some struggling to keep a clear thought in my head uh lots of distractions lots of good positive distractions but even good positive distractions can be a bit too much at times and you might just crave that stillness you might just crave that silence that moment to gather yourself to compose yourself to bring yourself back to center rather than being pulled this way and that um so funnily enough this morning for no good reason really none none whatsoever just being a bit tired and a bit cranky and i've uh, i've covered this terrain before i was a bit too snappy a bit too snippety snip with my daughter my poor old daughter she uh, she cops it and uh, I had to, I had to grovel. <laughs> I had to prostrate myself at her feet and beg for forgiveness. I'm sorry. I'm being totally unreasonable and taking it out on you. And we made, I made, I made, she had no amends to make. I made amends. And then um, I had a Tai Chi class to speak, to speak, to teach. Uh, and that was lovely. And I brought myself back into a sort of a happier place and got my energy into a more balanced place. And it was all very calming and centering and stabilizing. And then myself and my daughter and travel mandalas, Sean, we went off and had a swim in the sea and a coffee and cake for the grown-ups and a hot chocolate and cake for my daughter. And it was a very successful little excursion. And here I am, just as I was last week, trying to exploit the only window I've managed to carve out for myself to record the podcast until next time. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm trying not to think about the ticking clock that might make me lose my train and speed up unnecessarily. That's something I was talking about in the the Tai Chi class earlier. Uh, 
one of my students, she was doing, we were actually mostly focusing on a series of qi breathing exercises, more typically known as qi gong practice. And my student was punching, punching the air, but just a little bit too quick, a little bit too out of control, I would say, for what we were trying to focus on. And I just reminded everyone, let's ask ourselves, are we driving the car or is the car driving us? We need to be in control. We need to be sitting comfortably in that seat and we need to decide how fast we want to go. We've got the gear stick, we've got the brakes, we've got the steering wheel. What are we going to do? Don't get rushed. Don't get forced to be on the road in a way you don't want to be. And yeah it worked she pulled it back and got into a better zone and the punching the flow returned to what she was doing and i have to say personally that's uh that's something that i respond to in terms of how i understand stressors um the things that trigger the things that derail i mean i spoke a little bit about this last week um in last week's episode but i think for me it might not be individual things that i respond to but more circumstances or environments or atmospheres that i find more triggering to use that beloved word and that idea of I'm being forced to be on the road in the way, in a way I don't want to be there. I'm forced, I'm being forced to drive in a way I don't want to. And that is very much uh, a major stress area for me. Um, And I think... I suppose you draw a line. I, I'm going to I'm, I'm look at that immediately. I instinctively try to take it away from myself <laughs> and take it into the generic you uh, because that's safer. That's a safer place. It's a safer place to to talk about one's issues if I make it a generic you. But really, I should talk about me. I should talk about I. And then it becomes experience. It becomes knowledge it becomes the personal and then you as the listener can go "Hmm, okay yeah maybe i relate to that rather than me making the assumption that this is something that we all do now that said that is an assumption i make (laughs) my my assumption is we're all doing it we're all struggling we're all negotiating ourselves all the time we're all trying to keep ourselves away from the things that upset us away from the things that knock us out of our stride and send us spinning into the ditch into the ditch of of what the ditch of crisis the ditch of self-doubt the ditch of self-recrimination i mean ditches what do we think is a ditch a nice place to be I remember when I was younger, I, I will return to the point I was trying to make, but I remember when I was younger, there were some men in the, the local area 
and I grew up not far from hashtag blessed in the beautiful Wicklow countryside and there were some men who were how shall I put it <laughs> accomplished drinkers of alcoholic beverages and those men would sometimes make the walk not a long walk we're talking maybe a a mile or two, a couple of kilometres. They try and make the walk from the local pub back up the long, steep hill to where they're, to where they lived, and perhaps, or maybe certainly, in a, in an altered state, in a state of some alcoholic debilitation, and very wisely, a bit like don't drink and drive. Their philosophy must have been don't drink and walk. Because they'd simply <laughs> collapse in the ditch. And you'd be driving along. So maybe I'd see it from the car window as a, as a child passenger. You'd just see the two legs sticking out onto the road while they slept blissfully in the ditch. And even as I bring up that memory, I really, I, I really do have a strong feeling of not, oh my goodness, there's a, there's a drunken man sleeping in the ditch i'm not really focusing on the the alcoholic self-annihilation i'm thinking that's probably incredibly comfortable (laughs) nature has provided a lovely bed for that drunken man (laughs) so um ditches not necessarily not necessarily bad places to end up um and certainly you'd rather fall into a ditch than fall onto a road or fall over a bridge. Um, yes. So what was the point I was trying to make before? I was going to go from, I went from I to you. Now, let me return to I. I was going to say about this idea of particular environments or particular atmospheres or circumstances uh, circum, you know, the circumstances of location that would trigger me now as a grown-up and make me feel, mm, I don't want to be here. I'm not comfortable being here. I'm looking for the escape hatch. I'm looking for the way out. I don't want to be forced into being in this part of the road, so to speak. I don't want to be forced to drive this way, so to speak. And I think it goes back to childhood because my parents at that time were talking the 70s. Uh, and 80s their prime area of social engagement and social enjoyment and this is this was by no means uh untypical for an irish family of those years and my parents inclinations the place to be was the local pub and um that's where that's where the socializing happened and over time, I just thought, I don't want to be in the pub. I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to be stuck here because there's no there's no sense on of when it might end. There's no sense of this is only a, a short thing and then you're back home. Because at home, there's more control and it's a safer place to be. That's how I felt about it. Um, and I think it started there. Um, and that's as much as I'll reveal for now. <laughs> Although I do, I, I may have mentioned this before. I may have mentioned this before. I do remember um, being in what was my parents' uh, local pub of choice back way back then. 
and I certainly must have been only around seven or eight, nine at most, I would argue. Because I remember being in the pub, and I think it was a Sunday evening. And, you know, the weekends, it would have been very busy at that time. Pubs pubs aren't really what they were. They are, they, they've changed. They've changed. They've changed since the smoking ban was introduced um, several years ago. And they've changed, you know, pubs now mostly. It's it's a place to get food as much as drink. Um, and there's music. And it's not just the uh, the old saloon where you go to drink uh, drink away your worries uh, but back back in the time I'm talking about it was very much this is this is uh, this is the drinking hub and I remember being in that pub and the Muppet Show came on the television and forgive me if you've heard this one before uh, on the podcast I can't remember if I've shared this or not but I remember going you know seeing the Muppet Show come on the TV and the TV sat high above the bar on the back wall above alongside the, the bottles of spirits and whatnot. and I was like oh fantastic the Muppet Show and even though I couldn't really hear it I was only too delighted to scooch myself up to the bar and I don't know if I managed to get up on a stool or just sort of rest my hands on the bar and just look up at the TV but there I was ensconced looking at the likes of Kermit the Frog and Fuzzy Bear and Gonzo and Animal and Miss Piggy Scooter you name it the the, the Muppet Show crew and uh, yeah a fight between angry men broke out above my head but I just kept on watching <laughs> tunnel vision I won't worry about this uh, glass shattering around me and no one else seems to be worried either. So I'll just, um, yeah, I'll just keep watching. So anyway, there you go. There you go. Good times, good times. The old days, the golden days, the halcyon days. Now, speaking of all of that, just to draw a connection, what I wanted to kind of talk about today and not kind of, I mean, I just want to talk about it. I was thinking about this idea, and this does connect a bit last, it does connect to what I was talking about last week. Last week I was talking about things that impact us, things that penetrate our sense of calm, penetrate our sense of well-being, things that get into us and disturb us and unsettle us. Um, And this is, it's, it's related. Of course it's related because, and maybe this was the, this is the natural extension of that discussion because the thing is whatever is deeply internal in our molding whatever is deeply internal in how we were formed and how our personalities were formed and how our sense of self was formed that is going to dictate what we respond to externally that's what's going to dictate what triggers us, upsets us, destabilizes us. That's going to dictate what gets in and pushes a button in us. And the way I was talking about this to a friend the other night, I was talking in terms of imprint, what's imprinted on us. And I suppose 
it's a pretty pretty straightforward idea isn't it we're, we're, we are talking about childhood we are talking about the the dominant molding figures in our lives which is uh, typically parents uh, or other significant adults minders guardians whoever it might be um for better or for worse because imprints can be negative or positive but my conviction is whatever was imprinted on us at a very young age when for want of a a better metaphor where we're malleable like like plasticine like like play-doh like molding clay we're malleable and we can be shaped and molded and we can be we can be squeezed we can be dented we can be cut we can be forced into shapes um and the the and literally the 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 prints of others can be left on us um and so i was i was sort of thinking in those terms that whatever that formative imprint was or is i believe that's what we're left to come to terms with as we as we grow as we age as we mature and i believe our level of happiness our level of comfort with ourselves is almost entirely linked to how successful we are in coming to terms with the marks that have been made on us um and of course if you take that idea uh to its 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 natural place when i use a phrase like that the marks that have been made on us one road to go down of course is to think of the worst possible situations maybe situations like Ashleen Cregan described so eloquently in her book and how she spoke about so eloquently and with such composure in her in her interview with me a few weeks ago um we might think about those kinds of things stories of 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 abuse stories of violence stories of psychological torment of sexual abuse that's that's a profoundly disturbing area and a profoundly damaging uh, thing to experience as a child because of course maybe there's no one more sensitive to life than a child there's no one who is going to be more impacted by the circumstances of life than a child um and what we what we learn as we as we get older and what we're encouraged to learn is how to be tougher how to be more resilient how to how to mind ourselves um and build ourselves and in a way that's that's the that's the western model isn't it the the, the building project the building project of self to to build yourself into a a capable productive citizen to build yourself into a capable productive member of society and 
depending on what part of the world you're in fundamentally it's um it's still a very linear building project that takes us along the the conventional capitalist route of education further education career uh career money uh accumulation of capital consolidation of that capital career advancement um social consolidation via marriage via family making uh and you become a building block in a cohesive society built along shared values and of course you look at that model the way i've just laid it out and there's nothing to be frightened of there's nothing to be alarmed by there's nothing to judge unduly however if your starting point is a starting point of being of being damaged a lot of that stuff just doesn't fall into place in an easy way a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily make sense um because the ultimate the ultimate building block of society is the family unit and so if you're coming out of that as someone who has a negative or an adverse imprint where where do you go from there where do you go how do you how do you Im- uh what do i want to say how do you implement yourself or input yourself into society how do you find where you fit what's your what's your place um because you've you haven't really been given a clean start you haven't been given a fair start you haven't been given a sense of of calmness and a sense of stability and those two things calmness and stability they're often one of the best starting points from which to embark on journeys they're one of the best starting points to deal with difficult situations they're one of the best starting points to respond in optimal ways and to feel a sense of your own capability and to feel open to new possibilities um and so the idea then of of the imprint uh I think is is definitive i think it defines all of us what we came up with what molded our convictions about ourselves, and what molded our convictions about life and molded our convictions about the safety or otherwise of the world and the when i was talking to uh, when i was talking about this with a friend the other night i mean i was just you know we're just we're just talking about different different approaches to living different value systems uh different ways of thinking different ways of understanding um and the the sort of the clash or the the alienation or the failure to comprehend between adults who simply have different value systems or who are 
viewing the world differently to one another. Um, and my friend was, my friend was kind of suggesting um, that the people who don't get the way he and I maybe view things were a mystery to him. Um, and there was a certain, I think his first reaction, his first sort of impulse was to be sort of quite judgmental. And I mean, I get it. I get it. And I'm quick to judge myself. But that's when I was arguing, well, what's their imprint? What did they start off with? Because whatever they were given has 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 prompted uh, the, the, the choosing of the path that they found themselves on. And it's not it's not right or wrong. Um, but it's, you know, you, you can find yourself going, this is just not what I would have chosen for myself. And that can be a, a point of friction and a point of, of discomfort. Um, but uh, of course, someone can get to that point, that different point to you and be extremely happy and feel enormously well in themselves and in their decision making. Um, but it's not always the case. It's not always the case, of course. And people can look at me and my choices and make their own analysis and go, well, not sure, not sure about that choice to do the podcast, not sure about that choice to do those other things, not sure who that guy thinks he is sitting at his mic once a week trying to work it all out. Um, I think he has issues. I think uh, he should be applying himself to other things. Um and pursue things that are more financially dependable, perhaps. Perhaps that's 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 one way to view what I'm doing. Um, but I don't know. I'm working. I'm working with my imprint, <laughs> and I'm I'm in a place now in my life, in my my late forties, where a lot of the time I feel. <laughs> That's immediately a, a qualifying fence-sitting verb to use there. I feel, I sense, it's my feeling that I feel that a lot of the time I enjoy enormously, an enormously satisfying clarity about the choices I'm making. Although they do come at a cost. They're... Uh, <laughs> They're not filling my boots with gold doubloons. Um, but then I'm not a pirate. Or am I marauding the seas of the internet? Uh, I'm not filling my boots with, uh, with gold doubloons. But there's clarity in what I'm doing for me. And there's a... For, for what what I enjoy, for what motivates me, the that clarity is enormously satisfying. It's I find it personally reassuring, um, and it does away with uncertainty and anxiety about other choices I could be making. Um, as in as much as I can step out of this and go, okay, well, what's the future? Where does this lead? What's it gonna What's it gonna deliver? in a practical sense and certainly in a is it going to fit into some sort of 
economic um economically rewarding structure i don't know i don't know but that's that's not the prime that's not the prime motivator here and see we come back to imprint so the prime motivator for me is not money or financial return as much as i would like that and would definitely benefit from that the prime motivator is to be more aligned with myself and doing things that are aligned with what I care about, with what I feel passionate about, with what I feel I have an aptitude for and to commit to those things without fear and without hesitation and then let the chips fall where they may. That's that's pretty much it. Um, but again, the broader sense of the imprint, everyone is negotiating their own imprint. Some people are hiding from it. Some people are leaning into it. Some people are sitting in counselling weekly, daily to try and understand it, to try and change the imprint, to try and unlearn the imprint, to recondition the imprint and it's um yeah as i said earlier it's uh i think it's a very defining aspect of if not the defining aspect of our internal landscape um for better or worse and i've been trying to not trying to but i, I feel i i i've i've identified this in a couple of a couple of movies I've been watching yet again the movies come into a lot of what we discuss here and talk about on the clear out and I was watching with my daughter now this is funny because last week of course I was talking about how my daughter and I watched Some Like It Hot and how my wife was like hmm I'm not sure if our eight-year-old nearly nine-year-old daughter should be exposed to Marilyn Monroe and that that representation of femininity, of female sexuality, of female beauty um, at this stage. Now, that wasn't a discussion my wife and I had. My wife passed the screen, made a comment about poor Marilyn Monroe and um, was just kind of going, really, is this, you know, should our daughter really be looking at this now? And my general rule of thumb is if my daughter's with me, um, I mean, I do, we don't just watch anything. I think about what we watch. If it's not, if it's not, if it's not obviously a children's movie, uh, I will stop, think, revisit the movie in my mind if I have, if I, if, if, if I need to, and then go, no, I think this is, I think this is okay. And then I'll be with her. And then if anything comes up, we can talk about it. Um, so that came up last week and kind of triggered a bit of a conversation around what uh, representations of, of femininity and what rep- representations of womanhood my daughter was being exposed to. And Beyonce came into that uh, discussion as well. Um, but this week, and this is, I had no anxiety. I had no, like zero anxiety about my daughter watching Some Like It Hot with me, about seeing Marilyn Monroe. 
who is certainly being presented in quite a sexualized way in that movie. But the tone of the movie is fun, it's gentle, it's woman positive, uh, it's very well performed, um, and there's a lot of physical comedy in it. Um, and I felt my daughter is was sophisticated enough to take it on quite a few levels, and she did, and we enjoyed it. Uh, but funnily enough, earlier this year, was it earlier this year or late last year, Pixar came out with the movie Turning Red. Turning Red. Now, if you haven't heard about Turning Red, fundamentally, it's the story about a 13-year-old girl in Toronto, Canada, who is of Chinese, I think it's Chinese, of Chinese background, so second generation Chinese living in Toronto in Canada. It's set in the, is it set in the early 2000s? And she gets her period. And it's an extremely confronting episode in her life. And she is struggling enormously with the hormonal chaos that comes with having a period or comes with the the onset of that stage of her development and in her family in the in the in the movie in her family the women in that line in that family line when they get their periods when they start to menstruate they turn into red giant red pandas and so that's how it's represented in the movie she wakes up one morning after a very uh, disturbed night's sleep after a very embarrassing incident with her mother who found drawings she had done of a boy she fancied and she dragged her daughter to the local store where the boy worked and showed him the drawings and shamed, gave out to him, made a holy show of her daughter and then the daughter had this horrendous, tormented night's sleep um, and then woke up the next morning as a giant red panda. And the rest of the movie basically shows how she tries to negotiate that stage of her life and how the mother is trying to control everything and keep her close and make sure she remains a very devoted, well-behaved daughter. And the daughter's resisting, bucking against that control. And then there's a grandmother who comes in and the mother is scared of the grandmother. And it's funny and it's kind of intense and i read about the movie and i understood what it was about before i watched it and it was basically very highly acclaimed for looking at that subject and bringing it to the screen so successfully it was also considered a very successful depiction of the Asian Canadian experience uh, and maybe specifically the Chinese experience there so some that kind of second generation or immigrant immigrant experience was captured with great accuracy um, so great all good stuff but I was wary of showing that movie to my daughter and because I was thinking she's only eight I'm not sure she needs to be confronted with the, the the drama of this story and confronted with the, the drama of getting your first period because she's only eight. And I felt my wife and I were sort of on the same page. 
And a friend of ours said, told us with great confidence that she had shown the movie to her son, who I think was even younger, maybe seven. And I'm like, yeah, grand, that's your choice and go for it and, you know, no problem. And I also thought, well, you know, there's nothing at stake. There's nothing at stake for that boy. I mean, it's great. He's getting educated. He's getting to think about girls with a a level of understanding that he may benefit from in the future. And I'm sure that's where his his mother was coming from as well. Uh, But I also thought, but this isn't going to impact him in terms of he's not he doesn't need to be fearful or anxious that this is going to happen to his body in a few years time. And so I sat down to watch the movie myself a few months ago and I watched it (laughs) to kind of screen it, to vet it before allowing my daughter to see it. And I was going through that stage of the movie where she's having the horrendous, embarrassing scene with her mother at the store, uh, the local kind of corner shop, and then has the the horror night, the night of horror dreams, and wakes up in hormonal hell as the red panda and her mother's bursting into the bathroom to help her and presenting painkillers and an enormous box of every female hygiene product and uh, menstrual product that you could shake a stick at, um, all kinds of different pads. And I just, I was watching it by myself <laughs> late at night, just feeling stressed. Now, I'm not stressing about future, the future experience of my daughter. I was going, I don't want to present this to my daughter now and have her living in dread for the next whatever three four years before that stage of her life happens um and certainly i didn't want to do that without my wife also seeing the movie but (laughs) what should happen only a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago when uh my wife was having a bit of a celebration here. Uh, my daughter stayed next door. Uh, uh, my cousin was down and she spent the night with my cousin in uh, in their place at hashtag blessed. And my cousin was feeling a bit under the weather uh, and he took himself off to bed, but he allowed my daughter to choose what movie she wanted to watch. And my daughter had been in, has been in, in my ear all year. I want to see Turning Red. I want to see Turning Red. When can we see Turning Red? And I just pretended. I I had been pretending. I can't get it. I just can't get it. I'm sorry. I don't know when it's available. I can't get it. <laughs> but of course, the very first opportunity she had, she was over with my cousin. And she's like, oh, cool. Let's watch that. Oh, cool. There's Turning Red. Let's watch that. So she did. And um, she was telling me, she told me the next day, she said, oh, yeah, watch Turning Red. And I just kind of felt this like big internal gulp really uh and she was like oh it's hilarious it's so funny it's just about this girl and she becomes a red panda and she kind of skirted over the anatomical implications but um the more she spoke about it the more she seemed to be totally relaxed with it and she did then have a a very brief conversation with my wife about periods and that 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 lasted it was totally just in natural flow of conversation came and went and my daughter took a position of assumed 
knowledge and understanding and there was no need to go into any details and so um yeah she <laughs> she sat down to watch it again um to watch it again this morning and i watched it with her and it was all grand and there's lots of comedy of course it's a pixar movie and very lovely and lots of funny stuff and it's very it is very insightful and it's very moving but i got thinking again about this idea of imprints because again in a key moment and i'm i don't i'm not going to destroy the movie with lots of spoilers but in a key moment um in the in in the story there is another big incident and it looks like the uh the world's going to come crashing down on the central character um and she's at a party and she loses her temper and the red panda comes out and scares everybody including the birthday boy and her mother has to come and do the walk of shame because her child has failed and she's been given out to by the parents of the party child the party boy the birthday boy and the daughter's convinced her mother is going to murder her and the mother doesn't and you can just see the way it's carried the mother is just carrying her daughter's burden and carrying the pain and not really just doesn't have the equipment to express the relatability doesn't have the the equipment to go i know what this is i know what's happening um and just doesn't say anything to the daughter and they're just driving home in the car and the daughter's looking across at the mother from the passenger seat sort of you can see the cogs are turning just looking at her mother in a new way with a does she doesn't know what what it is that's going on but there's a, a sense of okay there's some there's there's a depth of understanding here there's 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 something else going on that's that's very deep that's very internal that's connected to all of this i don't understand it and it's it's and then the mother just reaches over and and touches her her hand as she's driving um not just looking straight ahead and i was watching it going i just thought it was you know <laughs> i was very moved let's put it that way did i cry okay i cried i cried okay don't worry about it i cry and if i'm watching a movie and i i have i've definitely said this before if i'm watching a movie in the morning and i'm a little bit tired i am utterly defenseless and if it's a well-told story and christ it doesn't even have to be a well-told story i'd probably cry at anything uh if it's remotely sentimental or moving into that area of of uh, often i guess it would be about family tension bonding um overcoming something sharing the moment i'm i'm gone i'm gone when there's emotional vulnerability um openness or conflict uh and yearning emotional yearning i i I, there's nothing i can do so uh i was just sitting there watching my daughter you know she has a habit of I, i can just feel her presence in my peripheral vision and I'll, i might see her head just leaning forward and slightly turning and looking up at me to go is he crying 
And I'm like, just stop looking at me. Just you just enjoy your movie your way. I'll enjoy it my way. Um, but the imprint, I just thought this is it. Like this is this is what I'm talking about. Uh, it's in the mix, this thing of what was imprinted on the mother and then what has she imprinted on the daughter and what's the role of the grandmother who's this fierce figure in the movie and who has a very mysterious scar on her face um and of course it's all it's all explained all explained later i'm not going to ruin it for you it's 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 worth checking out it's worth checking out um but it's 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 profound I think, I mean, again, you know, you can go, it's not profound, it's just a kid's movie, relax, chill the bones, don't worry about it. But I disagree. And listen, I'm speaking as a man, for God's sake, so what the hell do I know? But it does tap into something very potent about mothers and daughters. And certainly mothers and daughters and going through these key moments and these developmental changes these watershed moments in uh in a woman's life and beginning adolescence and it's it's deep stuff and it's life-changing really that would be my perception from my experience of talking to my wife to other partners i've had over the years it's it's it, 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 it's not it's, it's not anything except a big deal I suppose I mean I don't know I mean look I'm sure there's a a whole range of different experiences and of course there are many ways that that can be part of a woman's life and some women have an easier time than others Um, but gosh when I think back to secondary school and how immature myself and my male friends were and the jokes we made uh, about our female classmates, uh, the teasing, the slagging. Um, and I mean, I think of myself and my friends very fondly, by the way. I don't think we were evil, uh, misogynistic uh, monsters by any means, but certainly we were immature. Um, but none of none of what we did was mean-spirited we weren't trying to we weren't trying to hurt anybody for us it was all just good fun and these were girls that we liked and got on well with um and even the ones that we didn't particularly like and didn't particularly get on with and if we were teasing them it certainly wasn't there was nothing malicious um i I guess in our immaturity we just assumed that everybody was in on the joke but uh, of course, I, I recognise now that that's uh, colossally naive. And joking is very fun. It's all good fun until somebody gets hurt. Um, and then, sure, look, you just have to, you just have to cope with what comes next and uh, deal with it, and hopefully find a, a nice way to respond. But um, yeah, turning red. So it's. Um, it is. It's um. It 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 it's a, it's it's a thought provoking, stirring children's movie, with a lot of a lot of humor, a lot of intelligence, and some lovely cultural stuff as well. Because the, the mother, and the grand it's the grandmother summons the elders, 
the older women amongst their their friendship amongst their you know circle of friends to come in and be supportive and rally round and try and uh, observe a ritual a coming of age ritual for the for the daughter and yeah i mean all of that stuff i mean i think that stuff is always relevant and sometimes i think in the in in the western mind when we observe rituals from uh from outside the west and certainly rituals related to rites of passage rituals related to coming of age either for uh a boy or a girl that entrance into adolescence that doorway gateway uh to to maturation to adulthood um it's easy to to make it something foreign it's easy to make it something exotic to reduce it to to fetishize it to to look at it in a very um how strange how quaint how unusual sort of way but it's my opinion that it's been our our great loss in modern western capitalist culture to have lost our sense of of ritual and to have lost maybe uh a sense of of reverence or a sense of um no maybe not reverence but maybe a, a a willingness to keep certain legacies or certain parts of our heritage alive there's something i think there's something that's enormously healthy in a community when there's a ritual that the community engages in particularly in the area of guiding young people and welcoming young people to a new stage and a new status uh in that community and it's probably something that modernity has been critical of um you know whatever and i'm i'm not necessarily talking about modernity right now in 2022 but like modernity as an idea the modernizing energy um is selective the modernizing energy or the modern the modernizing ideology it's uh it's it's a separating mechanism separating the old from the new and determining what's worth keeping and determining what needs to be thrown away so the the modernizing attitude in the west has probably rejected many traditions and rejected many older ways of guiding young people uh to 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 their new status and something has been lost something has been lost that's um that's my opinion and certainly i i would recognize in in martial arts um the and, and this is not necessarily this the same thing but certainly a grading 
uh, in, in karate is a big deal. So when a young person goes through the process of subjecting themselves to examination so they can progress to the next level in, in martial arts and in karate, in my experience, that's a big deal. It's a big deal and it's quite momentous for the, the person in question. And in fact, it doesn't matter if you're a kid or an adult practitioner. Getting that new belt, getting that new color, getting that acknowledgement within the community in in what is a public space is it's a big deal. We respond to it. We respond to it as people. I'm stepping out here and I'm presenting myself to the community. Now, okay, I'm talking about the community of one karate club. But sometimes that happens in a in a larger arena. Um, and certainly by the time if you can if you keep keep training and you manage to get to the stage of your training where you can present yourself for a, your first black belt examination i mean that is that is a rite of passage that is a a ritual that is full of tradition that has significant expectations on what you should do, how you should perform, perform, how you should present yourself and what sort of spirit um, you should demonstrate in, in something of a cauldron under the examination of experienced examiners, often the chief examiners within your organization. And in karate, that's often someone who's traveled from Japan. Uh, and that is a very big deal. And it's a very big deal to go through that and emerge successfully and enjoy this new level of esteem uh, amongst your peers and amongst others. Um, and there's there's something in that experience and there's something in that journey and in subjecting yourself to that ritual that is empowering because... In most circumstances, there should be no hiding places. So you're, you are vulnerable and you're stepping up and being vulnerable and putting yourself into, into the danger zone. Um, and it's a big deal. And I think uh, for the people who sort of value such things um, and who are engaging with that experience in in that way it's it's enormously rewarding um so so well done well done oh there's my there's my little alarm so well done to anyone out there who has managed to get yourself a black belt and i don't mean the ones for 5.99 down in dunn stores you know what i'm talking about lads you know the one that says the apprenticeship is over. You're ready to pick up your tools and go forth and start start pitching your pitching your tent for work. Um, yeah. So there you go. Rituals. What do you think? What sort of rituals still exist? Do you have a ritual? I think that's what happens nowadays. People create their own personal ones. If they're looking for something that's vaguely spiritual or has deeper resonance or deeper meaning 
I think a lot of people create their own little rituals and that's I think that's a lovely thing and we all have that available to us if that's what we want that's for me again it's uh, it's something that is empowering um, it's something that can be your own personal process your own personal pilgrimage your own personal ownership of meaning making creating meaning imparting meaning onto something that's something we can all do for ourselves if we feel the lack of it in our lives and a lot of the practice that I do myself is in that area and is my way of inviting that sort of mindfulness or thinking or sensibility into my life on a regular basis and there's an element of it in uh in swimming when i swim uh and yeah more obviously an element of it in my martial arts practice and the breathing practices that go with that and the mindfulness that goes with that the solitude that goes with that uh there's a lot of that in the mix um so so yeah because otherwise i don't know i don't know the ask yourself what what rites of passage do you see in the society in which you live for many young people when they when they finish school the the rite of passage seems to be to get a ticket to go to uh, a destination somewhere where everyone can get obliterated with alcohol and lots of other young people will be there too. And maybe there might be tattoos. Maybe there might be lots of sex. Maybe there might be fighting. But lots of drinking. Um, that's not one I value. I'm sorry. Sorry, lads. Sorry to be the uh, the Puritan in the room. The um, that, that was never my scene. <laughs> and at this stage, I don't feel it ever will be um so there you go um one other thing i saw and i'm gonna be i'm gonna be wrapping this up pretty quickly one other thing i saw was another pixar movie we revisited and it was wall e wall e from 2008 and that if you haven't seen it is fundamentally uh a love story set in a dystopian future that starts on a desolate, utterly contaminated planet Earth and takes place then in outer space where a little rubbish collecting droid falls in love with a super slick, sleek, high-tech, flying robot that is an environmental research uh, uh, or, or an environmental search and locate um, machine that's trying to find places where life where human life can thrive again and uh, her mission is to find a plant evidence of nature being able to grow viable growth in a healthy environment um and that's the sort of the the driver the driver of the plot is 
can she bring a plant from Earth back to this human colony of slug-like people, people who've been sitting on their butts in mechanised mobile chairs and watching TV screens and consuming vast quantities of junk food for years and years and years and years up in space on a single spaceship. Can this droid, this super eco search and locate droid, bring a plant to the ship so they know it's safe to return to Earth? Uh, That drives the plot. But along the way, the little clunky, aesthetically um, uh, blocky, opposite of sleek (laughs) creation that is wall e falls in love with the other droid and it is quite simply a beautiful romance and it's one of the most romantic moments in in movies of the last 20 years when at the end of the movie and this one 2008 it's a spoiler i don't care Go and watch it. Hard look. The droid, who fundamentally is uh, is based on Charlie Chaplin, and he's a romantic, he's a romantic uh, soul inside a inside a a garbage compacting cube. Um, that's like a he's he's like a gas fire that's been cut in half, um, but he's very much like Chaplin. He's a clown. And as I've discussed before on a very early episode of the podcast, clowns, ultimately, they represent the id. They represent appetite. They represent innocence. They represent curiosity. They represent the the guileless child in all of us. And they are, that, I think that's what makes clowns such astonishing, such astonishingly powerful avatars for human yearning and human experience. And it's why, of course, when the clown is flipped into an evil character, it's so disturbing. Um, Done, of course, so successfully by Stephen King in It. Uh, And, of course, uh, by the Joker. The Joker from the world of Batman, because he is an evil clown. But in any case, Wally, the the Chaplin-esque garbage droid he has a love affair with uh it's hello dolly i think it's hello dolly michael crawford barbara streisand that's hello dolly isn't it funny girl which is no it's hello dolly um so he's he's always looking at this old v this uh this video tape videotape this vhs tape of hello dolly in his in his uh in his little home um and so he's got music in his heart he's got musicals in his heart he's a song and dance man he's full of the romance of musicals and again at the very end of the movie when he has been virtually crushed um by the evil ai that runs the spaceship who wants to stay in power over the human colony while he is returned to earth and the super slick droid uh who is eva 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 she restores him at hyper speed and has him back in ship shape condition but his soul 
is gone. His soul is gone. He's not there. And see, she has fallen in love with him because she was able to access his memories and realize that when she was in a state of deep sleep, deep hibernation before returning to the space colony, he was looking after her and trying to romance her and getting electrocuted (laughs) and crashing into things. And she realized, oh my goodness, this guy is so special. And she fell in love with him. And there she is at the end and he's gone and he saved everyone. He got the colony back to earth, but got crushed. And she reaches out to hold his hand, which he was he was trying to do for the entire movie, looking for that moment of connection, that moment of intimacy. And she wasn't interested. She was just on her mission and exasperated by him and frustrated and infuriated by him and his his clumsy, clunky, romantic idiocy. And she looks at him and her heart is broken and she reaches out to hold his hand and grabs it and he's dead. Nothing going on behind the eyes. And then she just turns to go. But he holds on. And he suddenly comes back to life and he looks down and he sees her hand clutching his. And he's the happiest droid that ever lived. (laughs) and that's imprint as well the imprint of love the imprint of being chosen the imprint of being seen I'm going to imprint my foot on this kitten's butt Ruby just wait here come here okay on that purry note I'm going to leave you to think about imprints and romance and garbage droids and all sorts of other things. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy this show, if it's diverting, if it's entertaining, if it's thought-provoking, if it's any number of things that are positive, you can make a contribution to the continuing productivity of the Clear Out. You can use the supporter link, which you can find in the description of this episode for a one-off donation or if you want to become a regular contributor to the show you can do so using the patreon link that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out and i would welcome whatever you could give and if you can't give any money don't worry about it you could share some love on social media you could recommend the show to a friend and i will continue doing what i'm doing and try to grow try to build (laughs) like a good little capitalist okay Otherwise, catch me on social media. The Clear Out podcast is on Facebook. It's on YouTube. It's on Instagram. The Clear Out 2 is on Twitter. And if you ever have anything you'd like to share, any suggestions for the show, for subject matter, for guests, you can email me at theclearoutlive at gmail.com. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got. Hope you enjoyed what you heard. I will talk to you next week. Take it easy. Mind yourselves. All the best. Bye.